Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. Welcome to The Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Sebastian. Thanks so much for having me on uh, Grit Daily. It's great having you here, dude. On this show, we, uh, we like to talk about the world of startup. We like to talk about the good the bad and what we like to call the gritty. So I'm curious to hear what your experience has been in the startup world. And of course, what's going on in the world of say and what you guys have built. But before we get into all that, let's help our listeners better understand a little bit more about you and your backstory. Yeah, no, um, I definitely, I, I like happy to be on here. I definitely think being a part of startups and having that kind of entrepreneurial drive is kind of core to who I am. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin and I uh, was always kind of like involved in service a lot growing up um, with my parents. And um, not only were we involved in the community, but my parents took in foster kids and uh, saw a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. And I think it gave me a, a fresh perspective on how fortunate I am to have great family and um, to be able to kind of seize opportunities. Um, I then left for uh, undergrad for business school and, and worked for Nestle. Uh, but then for about six years, I spent in the nonprofit sector in Chicago. Uh, and that was really cool. I was helping homeless people gain uh, quality employment and keep it. Um, and I met my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time there. And we then moved down to Costa Rica to nice. serve in the Peace Corps. Amazing. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so we were helping small like entrepreneurs there. And that was really cool. Um, the island, we were on a rural island in Costa Rica that was pretty much just a fishing island. And that was the only source of income on the whole island and a really poor um, island. And so we help people think about other ways of diversifying income and building out kind of more sustainable methods. And we built out kind of an ecotourism collective of a lot of different like small businesses uh, to help them kind of think about ways that they can bring in more income on the island, just fishing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really cool. That was, that was a, a interesting and, and really challenging time, but we, we made a lot of progress. We got um, the ecotourism collective off the ground and we also got, um, a community center where they can host events and have meetings. Um, and I also kind of fell down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole during that time as well when I was in Costa Rica. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing research and exploring kind of what are the potential um, opportunity sets that are solved with, with smart contracts and, you know, all that can be done with the power of uh, blockchain technology. Um, and so, yeah. Is that where it really started to spark the ideas for say and what you guys are currently doing right now? Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, that was kind of a precursor to all that. I've been working as kind of a, a startup founder and entrepreneur in, in crypto for over five years now. Um, and I've kind of had different projects that I'm involved with, um, more on the community building and, and um, growth side. And that's what I'm helping lead at say as a co-founder is our growth. So um in 2020, like DeFi became really popular within um, within crypto. And so this is the idea where you can custody your own assets. And instead of like, you know, trading on a centralized exchange, whether that's TD Ameritrade or Bank of America, and you need to send your funds there, or it's in the crypto world, Binance or Coinbase, you still need to send your funds there and let them 
custody of your assets and hope that like nothing bad happens. Um, or, or keep your assets if you're a Voyager. I, all right, different, different, episode, <laughs> different, different. Yeah, episodes. exactly. Well, that's that's the true issue here, right? Is that when you're trusting a centralized custodian, you're trusting a centralized entity, you're putting yourself at risk of of their practices and their security and their risk assessments and what they're doing with your assets. Celsius was gambling your assets and wasn't claiming that they were. Um, so, but you could be lending and gaining an APR, lending your assets like giving them up to custody of Celsius, or you could be putting your assets in decentralized finance applications like uh, Aave or other lending protocols that are going to be built on, say, um, and you maintain custody of your assets. And as long as you're able to maintain the security of your own assets and custody of your own assets, you don't have to rely on a centralized party. So it's it's pretty powerful what, the, what DeFi truly unlocks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's run through this. Let's back up a minute. So how did Say start? That's the... the, the, that's the uh... That's the brand um, that uh, that you're, you're currently co-founded. How did this all start? And then if you could explain to me, like you're talking to a five-year-old, how this whole thing works and what problems that it solves. I know you probably do a lot of that because everyone needs to explain what DeFi is. Um, like you're a five-year-old because if you haven't heard it, you're like, huh? So yeah. walk me through how this whole thing came about and exactly how it all works. I mean, you did it briefly there, uh, which mm-hmm. piqued my interest. And I'm like, oh, I want to know more. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I was saying kind of DeFi started to take um, take hold and get some some like traction in the summer of 2020. And it was kind of known as DeFi summer. And that's when um, some of these protocols that people use that in, in crypto people use quite often, like Uniswap, where it's a, a protocol built on Ethereum, where if you have, you know, for example, the Ethereum token and USDC, a stable coin. And you want to sell your Ethereum to a stablecoin or you want to buy Ethereum with your stablecoin, you can connect your wallet to the MetaMask um, interface and you're able to swap your assets directly. Um, So it's, again, this idea of decentralized finance where you're able to custody your own assets and still be able to do trading and financial um, applications directly while you interact with these protocols. Um, So it's it's pretty groundbreaking and, and opens up a ton of opportunities for us to innovate and build really cool financial products, but do so while we're able to maintain custody of our own assets and have um, smart contracts execute these um, programs instead of relying on trusted sources. So it's really cool. And this is what opens up, like is opened up with decentralized finance. But now DeFi is kind of hitting uh, a lot of limits as far as what it's capable of doing because of the model, which decentralized finance was built on. This is where it gets a little bit more technical. But, you know, I mentioned like Uniswap, and this is an, a basic application where you can swap one asset for the other. And you think of like um, on a, a normal trading platform, you're able to put up a limit order, right? Where you say, oh, I want to buy Apple, but I want to buy it when it's 5% lower than the current price. And you can put that bid up on the order book, and then it would execute when the price actually hits that. And there's enough, like, there's enough, um, selling pressure to buy into your buying pressure. There's enough orders of sales on the order book. Um, in Uniswap, that's not feasible. Uniswap is built on what's called an automated market maker. So it's in a model where, you know, Sebastian, you could be putting your Ethereum up, up, up into the platform and your US dollar uh, uh, circle, USDC, onto the platform and offering the liquidity. So you're actually, it's crowdsourcing liquidity from individuals 
Um, and then that crowdsourced liquidity is the trading pool. And then with an automated market maker structure, you don't have an order book where you can set your limit orders. It's just that the orders are um, built kind of like crowded around the um, current market price. And then it automatically executes orders based on the liquidity that's available. And if there's not a much, as much people like yourself, Sebastian, providing Ethereum and USDC, and there's not as much liquidity in this automated market maker, then when I go to buy a bunch of Ethereum, I'll see greater slippage because um, not only is there's not as much liquidity, but the liquidity is not concentrated effectively around the market price. So these are issues with the model of automated market makers. Um, so in DeFi summer of 2020, DeFi really opened up and these types of opportunities like custodying your own assets and being able to trade became possible. But now that the automated market maker is kind of taking a lot of traction and has proven mark product market fit, the next kind of levels of financial applications and financial products are going to need better infrastructure. And that was the con complete concept behind why we're building Say. So has this recent crypto crash, I use that air quotes for that, mm -hmm. something it something it crashed, something it's uh, a world of opportunity. Has that affected what you guys have created with this with the solution over at Say? No. And actually, I would say that while there were a lot of like, I know we were mentioning before the call or, you know, we talked about some of these centralized lending platforms that, you know, were uh, playing uh, gambling with customer funds like Celsius, they had a bigger risk. And, and now, you know, Celsius is going through bankruptcy, um, sent like decentralized financial Restru restructuring. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of questionable activity there, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, whereas decentralized financial applications actually held up much better during kind of this downturn and this liquidity crunch um, with um, three hours capital mismanaging uh, funds with the Luna and Terra ecosystem going down, um, decentralized financial applications actually functioned as intended. Um, so everything is transparent in a decentralized financial application. You can see where the liquidity is. You can see liquidations happening as they should, um, and they're more resilient. So it also, there's no way that you can kind of have like a backdoor and someone can like pull a favor for you, right? Like if this decentralized financial application says that your liquidation at Ethereum is at $1,200. Either you post more collateral or it's going to automatically institute the rules that were set from the onset. Um, so if anything, I think it's been a testament to the resiliency of uh, decentralized finance and, and this kind of like new paradigm for financial technology. Um, but that, but what we're building at Say is, is kind of the infrastructure for the next layer and next generation of products to be built within decentralized finance. Love it. So let's switch gears a little bit, talk about the world of startup. I mean, it's, it's, there, there's various challenges and various benefits that come along with the world of startup. In your experience, what's been the biggest challenge you've experienced in the world of startup? I know there's several, but what really yeah. sticks out? Yeah, that's a great question, Sebastian. So the biggest challenge I think you really face is constantly like iterating and constantly getting feedback on what you're building. And if it's, if it has like the right product market fit, I think oftentimes founders have an idea and they get excited and they like go head first with that idea, but that isn't necessarily what the, the product and the market is going to demand. Um, so I found that 
it, you have to spend a lot of your time engaging with potential customers or people that are interested in your product and always asking what makes sense, what should be changed, what is gaining traction, maybe what features are more popular than the ones that you assumed. Um, so yeah, it, it's a constant game of iteration. And, and if you're not constantly asking questions to customers or potential customers, uh, you're, you're missing a huge opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what would you say has been the best part of the startup process other than funding and exiting? Yeah, uh, I would definitely not say funding and exiting are the best process parts. I mean, it, it's nice to have some financial gain, but that's not why entrepreneurs are here. If, if they were, they, 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 they're just not going to make it. Um, the, the, the typical NGMI, um, crypto, Twitter, um, uh, mean, but yeah, you're like, <laughs> what's best about an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur in the startup world is, is building something that people actually like, like and use sure. and seeing people getting feedback. Like it's, it's so rewarding when like, uh, I, I was working at Sentinel decentralized VPN protocol and seeing downloads of the application, seeing the usage, seeing the amount of, uh, current time of someone actually using the application over time. And seeing reviews on the Google Play Store and on uh, the iOS Store of the actual application, that is freaking cool. Yeah. So that's definitely what like that itch that you continue to like have to scratch. Um, and if you don't have that burn to kind of see a product that people actually enjoy and like getting that feedback, it's going to be really hard to make it as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I definitely think um, Building something that gains traction, especially after iterating so many times and then figuring out something that actually works. That's what you need to have that desire. Um, yeah, as, as in the startup. For sure. Couldn't agree more. So um, what are you guys excited about for the rest of 2022? We're recording this towards the end of summer of 2022. What's on the chalkboard? What are you guys excited about? Yeah, well, I mean, the main thing is we're so at say we're building a layer one blockchain. So you could think of it similar to Ethereum or Solana or some of these new blockchains like Aptos or Sui, um, built by the Facebook guys. We're building a layer one blockchain, but it's optimized exclusively for DeFi. So you think of DeFi applications like Uniswap or Osmosis is on, uh, built on the Cosmos ecosystem or Aave is a lending protocol. Those are all decentralized finance applications. We're not building any decentralized finance applications. We're not building any decentralized exchanges. We're building the infrastructure layer for DeFi to flourish. Um, and so, we talked about having an order book and where you can get better order execution because of an order book. We're building an order book into the base layer of our blockchain. And this is now, and we're building the fastest blockchain to finality. So you're having very shortened block time. So if you think of Bitcoin every 10 minutes, there's a new block that's produced. Our blockchain, every less than every one second, a new block is produced. And um, at every block, there's a finality of the entire chain. So your funds are settled at per block. So with that really shortened block time and that high performance chain, you're able to completely open up the design space for entrepreneurs and founders to build a whole new set of decentralized financial applications that can start to really rival some of the products that we know in commercial banking or on Wall Street or even um, you know in sports betting. A lot of different financial applications are completely opened up with a far better blockchain that's optimized for decentralized finance. And so we're looking for to go live on our mainnet uh, by the end of this year, which I'm really excited about. Uh, and we're currently on a testnet, and we've seen a ton of traction already. Um, we've gotten a lot of support, and it's been 
uh, it's pretty pretty humbling. We're definitely on to something going in the right direction. Um, we have already had 20 different decentralized financial applications and teams come to us and say they want to build on, on say. So um, I think that the tech stack that we're building is, is very sound and is going to help kind of take DeFi to the next level. I love it, dude. Lots of exciting things happening here. That is for sure. I think we're just getting started here with Web3, even though this technology has been developing for years now, become popular over the past 12 months. And I think people are starting to turn their head a little bit and going, I think we need, need to figure out this whole Web3 thing because it's where we're headed. So, well, I want to encourage you guys to keep up the great work. You're clearly doing work that matters, work that's moving technology forward and helping brands, businesses, and individuals usher themselves into this new frontier that we like to call uh, Web3. Thanks so much for your time, Dan. It was great hanging out with you for a few minutes uh, and uh, wishing you guys the best of luck. We'll have to have you back on the show sometime to get an update on how things are going over there at Say, but keep rocking. Awesome, Sebastian. I really appreciate it. This has been great. You got it, man. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.